What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Corner 3 Podcast. I'm your co-host, Marshall Clayton, and with me, as always, is my other co-host, Canyon Cole. What is up, Canyon? What's up, Marshall? How are you, buddy? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, It is All-Star Sunday and All-Star Weekend for the NBA. So today in our episode, I think we're just going to kind of break down the the All-Star Saturday stuff, kind of go over that a little bit. And then uh, just kind of recap the trade deadline, which happened about a week and a half ago. Uh, kind of go over the trades. We kind of seen, I think we've seen some players with their new teams. We haven't seen all of them yet. Uh, but yeah, we're just going to kind of break those down, kind of give our opinions on those. And and uh, as we're going into the second half of the season, there's uh, <clears throat> the NBA All-Star game is today, Sunday, February 19th. And then they're off until uh, Thursday. So uh, got a week off and Thank Luca. A lot of a lot of guys we joined in Mexico on the beaches uh, this yeah. week. So nice little break for the uh, second half part of the season. Um, so, Candy, how did how how did you enjoy All Star Saturday night last night? Uh, I thought it was pretty good outside the whatever type of skills challenge they put out there. That thing was terrible. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why they changed how they used to do it. I don't know why they just don't do the same thing where they just go up and down the floor. It was, that was more fun yeah. to watch than what they did yesterday. Yeah, I did not catch that one live, and I'm I'm, I'm I wasn't disappointed. I don't think I missed out on much. Uh, no. I think the home team won, right? Utah Jazz, the their three yeah, guys. Even, even like I don't I don't know how they made the teams. Like the Rooks, the Rooks did off. Yeah, the, the Rooks with Paolo. You go. It's supposed to be a skills challenge. So usually, it's like point guards and aggressively skilled players in the skills challenge. And you have Walker Kessler, uh, Jordan Clarkson, and Colin Sexton for the Utah Jazz. I'm like, okay. Yeah, Walker Kessler holding that award. That was a little weird looking. I won't and lie. And the Antetokounmpo's minus the most skilled Antetokounmpo. <laughs> I know. I don't understand. It's like they like plan that last minute. Like, okay, we're just throwing these guys in here to get them some uh, yeah, some recognition. You know what everybody wants to see on All Star Saturday? Thanasis and Alex onto <laughs> That's what <laughs> Yep, uh, that's what we were waiting on. Uh, the Rising Stars Challenge the night before on Friday night. I watched all of that. That was I enjoyed. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, so the the layout's a little bit different this year. I don't. I think this was the first time they did it. So they have like a little three. They had three, well, no, four teams. Yeah, four teams. Uh, and they play two, uh, each play a semifinal to, what was it, to 40? Mm-hmm. Uh, first to score 40. And um, it was pretty cool. One team was the, out of all the G League guys. They played pretty well. They gave they gave Josh Giddy's team a run for their money late. Uh, but Josh Giddy's team and uh, some other guys, they uh, came out on top. And then we had, uh, I'm blanking, who was the other, t- the other two teams? Uh, oh yeah, uh, Alvarado, uh, Jose Alvarado's team. Oh yeah, which, he was he was a lot of fun Friday night. Uh, they had him mic'd up. That was cool to see. Um, yeah, so that happened on Friday night, and then uh, the three point contest and the dunk contest, of course, was last night. Um, I was just telling Canyon I didn't watch the three point contest live. I had to rewatch that this morning, um, and I didn't. Don't think I missed much. Uh, yeah. Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard winning that one with ease, uh, which I guess that was probably maybe the most picked by most people. Yeah, it's it's funny that and like the NBA nowadays is so based off of being able to shoot the ball. How boring that the three point contest was. Yeah. It's sad because it's 
it's been my favorite part of the entire All Star Week in the last five years. Uh, yeah, it's the Aaron Gordon the dunk contest. Oh, without a doubt, since the Aaron Gordon Zach Levine dunk contest, it's been it's been my favorite part. But there's always been like you brought up before we started recording. There's always been one of the Splash Brothers in there. Yeah, you can see somebody hit twelve in a row or something like that, and then. I think now they're just starting to put people in. Like, this is the most contestants they've had in it forever. Every, when the list came out, I was like, good Lord, it's like half the NBA. I know. The first round yeah. took forever. Uh, and they, they all struggled outside of three. Yeah, only one guy looked semi like that could, that could beat Steph or Clay maybe in that competition, and that was in his first round, Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly, going into it, I was like, I, this guy's stroke, his his release is so weird. I don't know what it's going to yeah, look like, but he he got off to a strong start. So I, I picked him, remember we texted before, yeah. and I, I picked him just because his shot requires like zero effort. He just sits on his <laughs> yeah. shoulder and flips it. But then, you know, on the, off, on the offset of that, we talked about Dame, and Dame's shot, he shoots from his chest, so it also requires no effort but it's just it's no fun to pick dame because you know dame's yeah. probably gonna win so you always try, try to want to go with somebody that hasn't done it before and you know me everybody that listens to the podcast knows me i love me some tyrese halliburton yeah that was your pick to win it uh my pick was jason tatum didn't make it out of the first round uh tyrese made it to the final round with buddy and dame um he just i i kind of felt bad for tyrese because i felt like he sat too long like he was one of the first ones yeah. to go and then when he came back for his second final round, it was like you could tell he lost his rhythm. Um, Dame basically got to go, yeah. go back to back, so that kind of helped him out a lot, I think. Yeah, Tyrese was the second shooter in the first round of eight, and then he was the last shooter of the three in the second, really? in the second round. So I was like, that's kind of that kind of yeah. sucks. They need to let like the whoever's in lead like pick where he wants to shoot. Right. Yeah. But, and then. I mean, or on the other end of the court, just like maybe keep the guys shooting, keep them from sitting yeah. too long. Um, yeah. But it, it was it was a good little final round. Uh, Buddy and Tyrese, they didn't really have the greatest. They had better first rounds than second rounds. Uh, then Dame, he kind of just did enough what he had to do. Uh, him hitting the most impressive part was him hitting those starry balls, the thirty five foot threes. Yeah. Um, that was that he was hitting those like nonchalantly, like just like he does in game. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, but, it, almost, uh, it almost just looked normal for him. Did you see that play he had a couple nights ago where he crossed half court and was just standing still? Like, no yeah. no movement, no momentum. He just stood still, and he was like... A foot, like, a foot across the half court line. Yeah, I mean, and, just, was, and from, like, the corner. It wasn't even straight on. Yeah. It was, like, on the sideline. And he just kind of, like, stood there, and no one came out on him, and he was like, all right. And I was like, my... It was so... No. It made my heart sink. I was like, what is he doing? And then he just switched it. But yeah, yeah since shot clock wasn't even running down, it was like, I think he saw like 13 seconds off the shot clock. They had just got the ball. <laughs> yeah. That was so wild. Uh, it's wild how easily, they, how, how, how easy they make it look. Um, and then in the dunk contest, uh, that, I think this past, this dunk contest, I was like, okay, this was pretty good because the last couple of years they flopped for sure. Yeah. Um, Matt McClung, the G League, new, newly Philadelphia 76er. I don't know how much he's going to play. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think he I, – I can't help it. He does benefit from just being short and white. Like, people are just even more enamored of what he does. Too. Well, I think – But he's I, wild. I just think it's easier to – like, for – if you can jump – like, if you can dunk and you go in the dunk contest, it's a lot easier for you to do the crazy stuff. Like, 
Jericho Sims, for instance, is seven foot tall. So for a Jericho Sims to even just do an East Bay and go between the legs is an yeah. incredible effort because he's going to bring up his giant legs. And go with, that's what, like, we, when I was watching it, I was like, you know, it's Mac McClung and then a bunch of six foot eight or taller black dudes. And, you know, they're they're doing good dunks. But I'm also like, Mac McClung has so much more time in the air to, like, right. just do different know, things. The double pump. The double pump. Mac McClung has a six foot four wingspan. As opposed yeah. to like Murphy's seven foot one wingspan, like it's just easier. Yeah. That's why the only big dude I ever thought really did good in the dunk contest was Dwight Howard. But yeah. usually, when big dudes are in it, they can't. They just dunk with power and authority. They're better in game dunkers because they just rise up on people. But right. I mean, Mark McClung's like, yeah, just being a tiny little six two white dude out there. It was, it was just funny to like he would throw down the dunk, and then all the players would storm the court, and he's just like the smallest one. Yeah. Uh, Oh my gosh! I know, but and it was cool to see like the players' reactions. Like they they could tell like they were impressed by what he was doing. Um, <clears throat> the best, I, I, we talked about it before we started recording. Uh, the best one we thought was his very first dunk, which was the the backboard touch jumping over to got mm-hmm. two guys, but they were hunched over. But uh, that was insane. How he touched on the backboard and then dunked it. Um, but I also enjoyed his last dunk, which was the almost seven twenty. Uh, oh, spin his, in air. His last it, dunk, that was nuts. You know, after Trey Murphy's dunk attempt, you he really could have just gone up there and done like a windmill and won it. Yeah, but he went out and he went when he did it. I was just sitting on my couch and he did it, and I just like my mouth dropped and I just dreamt that <laughs> I just stood and walked away. I was like, because I mean, it was what I, what I thought was impressive about it was that it was out of nowhere. He went up and then like in a matter of a second, he like he just spun and boom. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. It was nuts. It, it was that dunk was better, like because they slowed it down. You're like, okay, it doesn't look good slowed down, but that one was like, in, whenever it was live in action, yeah. it was incredible. Um, but to the opposite, his first dunk with the backward touch, I needed a couple of replays to real just kind of appreciate how good it was. No, I didn't too. even know he did that. I was like, I mean, that, I, I was like, I mean, I guess that's a good dunk, especially for your first dunk. And then they replayed it, and I don't know who yeah. said it first. I think Draymond was like, he touched the backboard. And I was like, no, he didn't. And he like went to his chest and touched it and then brought it back down and done. I was like, oh, yeah. my God. I, I, and I do think, like, the announcers there, like Kenny, uh, Reggie Miller, Draymond was great. Uh, they're good at, like, kind of pointing out things in the replays to kind of make you appreciate the dunk more. To kind of, you know, they just it kind of helps you realize how insane the dunk is. Because, you know, when you get if you don't hear that analysis, maybe you don't appreciate it as much. But, yeah. Um, yeah, Matt McClung, dunk winner. Um, he kind of stole the the show from the very beginning. Trey yeah. Trey Murphy was just he would watch the dunk. And he's like, "What do you want me to do?" Like, <laughs> yeah, it showed, was, it showed Trey Murphy's face after his last dunk, and he was just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, "I was like, oh, you know, you're, that's why I think his last dunk was just a super normal, like, yeah, he knew he wasn't winning it. It was like a super normal windmill dunk. You're like, yeah, you know, he just wants to get out of here before he gets embarrassed and warmer than we'll do." <laughs> Yeah, I like uh, that. I like that the um, like the announcer for like the TV when Mac mm-hmm. McClung after he's like, "Are you telling us you're going to be back in the dunk contest next year?" It's like, yeah. What else is Mac McClung going to do? I know this. Mac McClung should just do this for the next seven years. This is his NBA like, career right here. Yeah, he was. He was like, I mean, as long as you guys will have me, I was like, Mac McClung will do this for the next nine years if you let him have it. He's yeah. never stuck put on an NBA court. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, and then uh, it was also really cool. Matt McClung did all his dunks on the first try. Didn't need yeah. multiple tries. That's also another thing. we No one really, like, you don't hear many people talking about it, but 
uh, it was awesome that uh i mean it's just insane the difficulty to do that all on, on your first attempt yeah um jericho jericho sims like i liked he was trying to get creative trying to you know bring some cool like creativity to his dunks but he i felt like he did the same dunk twice he was yeah. like honoring vince carter twice but he honeyed uh, it twice which is impressive yeah. for a seven third to be able to yeah. be able to honey but it's like I mean, he put his whole armpit in the rim. Not even his elbow. It was his whole armpit. That was, that was pretty cool. Um, Kenny Martin Jr.'s, was, he, had a, he had a solid outing. He brought his dad out, which I thought was cool. His dad didn't know how to throw the lob. He, he was trying to figure out how to throw the lob to his son. Hey, Kenny Martin never passed in his career. <laughs> I know. He was like, I'm usually the guy on the other end of uh, this, not the, not the passer. Um, but, yeah, it, it was pretty good overall. It was entertaining. Um I'm, I hope they keep like reno- innovating different ways to make the three point contest, you know, just keep changing it, like adding different like spots, making it more like an arcade contest, I think might help, especially if you're not going to get like the best shooters into the contest. Like, I mean, we, I, I would love to just see Steph do it every year and just try to see how, like, how crazy, how many times, how many like records he could break, just keep doing it. But, you know, yeah. he probably doesn't want to keep doing it every year. But, um, Overall, overall, good All Star Saturday night, and um, I'm excited. To, I'm excited for the games tonight, especially with with SGA playing from the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm excited to see what he can do if he. Oh, well, if I can be completely honest, I could care less about the All Star game tonight. I will not watch one. Season, You're not going to watch it at all. Heck no! I haven't watched. An, I haven't watched an All Star game in probably four years. It's so pointless to watch. I'm not one of the ones that like gets upset about the no defense. Like I, I like to see guys just go out there and hit crazy shots, make crazy I just, dunks. Different. I have better things I can watch with two and a half hours of my Sunday night. Besides, <laughs> watch people That's fair. Off the rim. I, I can go to the local rec center and see better defense being played. That's true. Uh, I we didn't even mention. I did mention the rising stars, but Quentin Grimes, that dude was on fire, having a little having a little Clay Thompson type type action he was just i'm not, I'm not even gonna front little, i'm not gonna front with a little chest bound i don't like quentin grimes but i'm 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 on the quentin i'm jumping on the quentin grimes train i think he's okay. going to be I, a guy he's gonna I be think a guy. i would be if we didn't do, uh, decide not to trade for donovan mitchell for quentin grimes <laughs> quentin grimes that's that that's josh true. hart is what quentin grimes wishes he was and we just traded for josh hart and so i don't <laughs> you got both of them now but when we could have had um, the guy who scored 70 points this year. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that, that, that kind of still stings a little bit. Um, but, like, yeah, so we've got the All-Star game tonight. Uh, so I think that kind of recaps the All-Star weekend. Nothing – is there anything else you wanted to hit on that you saw last night? Uh, no, I mean – I think on our last episode we talked about we were going to do our mock draft this week, and then the trade deadline was just so absolutely insane that we were like, okay, we're going to we're going to, have to push back the mock a week because we were like, maybe we can squeeze the trades into thirty minutes, but there's no like, there's yeah, no way. They kept dropping. They kept dropping. There were so many of them over and over. There were so many good trades. So we're, you know, the All Star Weekend's happening. Uh, All Star Saturday for me has always been the more fun part because I don't really like the All Star game, but. Mm-hmm. Regardless, it's been a pretty fun little enjoyable weekend to watch, but that's all I got yeah. on it. Me too. Um, so we can get into the next part of the show and uh, kind of break. Just I have I have the list of, on the NBA tracker of all the trades that kind of happened to, at deadline or just right around it. And like uh, 
like we said last episode, we broke we 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 talked about the Kyrie Irving trade as that happened like half an hour before we popped yeah. on record. So we went over that one. Um, just to refresh for the Nets got we know who the Mavs got. They got Kyrie Irving and Marquise Morris. Um, Nets got Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Dorian Finney Smith, uh, a twenty twenty nine first rounder and two for future second rounders. Um, so that, I kind of wanted to preface that as the very first trade that happened when I woke up. I I saw it when I woke up uh, that Thursday morning of the trade deadline day, and it was the Suns trade, uh, monumental trade for the Phoenix Suns. Um, and as they received Kevin Durant and TJ Warren from the Nets, and they had to send, they did have to send McCall Bridges and Cameron Johnson, but they also, and then they also had to send uh, to the Nets, what is this, one, two, three, three first round picks, um, no, four first round picks, I'm sorry, and then a first round pick swap. So five first round picks affected there, and then two second round picks. So it was a 14 deal. Uh, the Bucks also got Jay Crowder in that deal as the Pacers got George Hill, Serge Ibaka, and uh, three futures. So that that deal ended up being pretty huge. Uh, obviously, the Suns, I think that is, I mean, that's the main part of the trade. I mean, they, they've been struggling with a lot of injuries this year, so uh, landing Kevin Durant was huge for their uh, title hopes. Um, what what was your first uh, opinion on the, on the trade? Yeah, I think I look at this trade a lot differently than I look at the um, Dallas-Brooklyn trade because if we remember on that episode I talked about, I think that trade made both those teams worse. I think yeah. this trade, I think both teams came out uh, better. I think, you know, obviously the Nets losing Kevin Durant, you're like, there's no way they came out better. But in my opinion, right. they did because they lost Kyrie already. So mm-hmm. this, you know, this season was probably just going to be, they're probably going to be like a seven seed and get beat in the first round. And then KD is another year older and it's harder to trade for him as he gets older, especially with his injury history. So I'm fine yeah. with them trading away. And what I really like is they got two really good young players, McCall Bridges, who had 45 points the other night, and yep. Cam Johnson, who's a knockdown shooter. And then mm-hmm. they also, which the Nets have had an issue with in the past, of hemorrhaging their future, they got – yeah first in a pick swap. So now I think the Nets are learning because, you know, they traded all their picks away for 75-year-old Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett back in the day. And I think they're starting to learn, you know, that pick swap at the end of the three, four years of Chris Paul and Kevin Durant could be pretty valuable because that team could take a nosedive. You never know what happens. You get the higher pick. Regardless, you got three first-round picks, which I don't know how many they had before these trades, and I'm assuming it's almost none. Because yeah. of the plays they had to do to get James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant. Yep. Uh, so I like what the Brooklyn Nets did. I actually think they're going to be a pretty fun team to watch now. They're they're not going to win very many games, but I think they're going to be interesting to watch. And yeah. then I think it's a great move for Phoenix because I think Kevin Durant fits that timeline. You know, obviously mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton's the youngest. Uh, Devin Booker's like twenty six. He's still pretty young. Yeah. Uh, and Chris Paul's older, and, and Kevin Durant's older. But Kevin Durant's got, you know, two, three years left where he's, especially when he's not the only dude on the team. You know, they got Devin Booker yeah. and Chris Paul have to guard, so you can't just focus only on Kevin Durant. He's got two or three good years left there. And then adding him to the roster takes all that pressure off of Chris Paul to have to be yeah. what, he ha- what he was in OKC or in the year Phoenix made the finals. You know, he doesn't have to be that guy anymore. He can be a 12 and 10 guy, which I think at this point, Chris Paul's career is exactly what he is. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to go down there and get you 18 points anymore, but he'll still get you anywhere from eight to 12 assists a night. 
especially with this yeah. many weapons. And then, you know, Devin Booker's 26. So, again, in three years when Kevin Durant's kind of, you know, on the decline, he's going to be 29. He's going to be just fine as well. So I, I think both of these teams really made a trade for the betterment of their organization. Obviously, Brooklyn's going to take a step back from what they have been. But I think in two, three years, if they draft well and they actually try and just buy into rebuilding that way, other than sending everything they have for star players, um, yeah. I think it'll work out for Brooklyn. And I think that the Brooklyn Nets front office has realized that they've done it twice now. You can't just throw all of your future away for two star players and see if it works because it hasn't. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I think the Nets, they're getting kind of – the stars aligned for them to get a redo at their – because their rebuild was going great. They had Ben Whitty, um before they before they went and tried to get Irving and Durant. Oh. They had – and Jared Allen, you know, they yeah. had they had pieces. D'Angelo Russell uh, was an all-star that year. Yeah, D'Angelo, I forget, I forget D'Angelo Russell was on the team, too. I wish um, I wish that team never would have been dismantled because that team was so fun to watch. Yeah, and they had so many young guys, young talent. You, you could see, and they still had picks coming up that they obviously end up getting rid of. But, uh, yeah, they had, a, they had a good shot at uh, building something, you know, building a pretty good uh, roster there. And then obviously they went in, went all in for the Kevin Durant, like you said, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and all three of those guys to talk about how that it just didn't work out for them. They didn't have enough court time together. They played all like those, they played like what forty games together or something. All three of yeah. them. Yeah, it was something yeah. bizarre. And I, mean, I don't know if you saw James do what? Uh, did you see James Harden's comments after he played in Brooklyn? Uh, it was like a, it was a few games before All Star break. Uh, he talked about how like. He saw the writing on the wall with Kyrie and 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 KD and stuff. How it was going. He, he just kind of you could tell he was not. He was like he basically admitted like I was not built for this. I wasn't like I just wanted to play basketball. I didn't want to deal with the other stuff, and so yeah. that's why he wanted out. Or you know to Philly originally. Um, well, I, mean, I thought that was kind of cool the transparency from him. I mean, James was only there for a year, correct? Yeah, he, yeah, he didn't even make it a whole year. He he. That's why like everyone thinks he gave up, but. Obviously, yeah. you know, you look what happened transpired after that. He was smart when it got out before it all kind of burnt down. I think I think James, Katie, and Kyrie all played a total of like 28 games together. I think it's the stat that I saw. And then I yeah. think over the three or four years Katie and Kyrie have been in Brooklyn, they have played 72 games. So they – so, Not even a full in, year. Yeah, in three years there, those two haven't played one full season together. When they did, I mean, it worked when they did. Even when, Yeah, they were – we would come back from a month and a half off. He'd come in and they'd just go on a ten game win streak like it's nothing. Yep. But and just could not know. get enough court time. Uh Kyrie's, Kyrie's got other things he needs to figure out before he ever turns into a I think he's hurting his Hall of Fame chances. Without oh, yeah. He's gonna have to have a resurrection like type of latter half of his career here. I mean, I don't want to say latter half, but I mean he's he's almost he's getting up there. He's he's been in the league for quite a while now. Uh so uh, yeah, he's gonna have to have quite a quite a stretch in Dallas or wherever he ends up to kind of yeah. get back on the Hall of Fame side of discussion of things. Um, yeah, but before we, I want to talk about the Mavs because we've seen them play with Kyrie and Luca now a couple times, and it's kind of they haven't won a game yet with them on the court, which it's it's early, but it's early. But I, I do want to I feel like it's worth mentioning. But yeah, the Nets. Uh, I, I like you said. I love what the Nets have got now. They've got McCall Bridges, Cameron Johnson, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. They don't have any, you know, superstars on the team, but they have a lot of guys that can 
if they're, if they're all healthy, they they could be a playoff team still. Um, I don't think they're winning anything, you know, out of the first, second round. But I think that team, if they can find one wing scorer, is going to be really good because defensively they have Ben Simmons, McCall Bridges, and Nicholas Claxton, who's Nicholas Claxton yeah. is probably a top three person for defensive player of the year right now. Mm-hmm. And so if you can find, you know, a two-man in free agency that can get not even like an all-star, but somebody that will get you like 22-ish points a game, like, I think yeah. and this, this won't happen, obviously, because he just signed his extension. But just putting, like, a Jordan Poole and Anthony Simons on this team to get you 24 yeah. points a game, I think, would be phenomenal. So they can just find a little a wing scorer and free agency because there's not a whole lot of them in this draft coming up, at least not for yeah. a couple of years. Um, so if they can find somebody like that, I really like what Brooklyn's put together. But, I mean, we'll see what they can do. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be – a more like acceptable rebuild for their fans. Like they're still going to be a fun team, even if they're trying to rebuild at the same time, it won't be where they have to break it all down to uh, a really bad roster and be, you know, just lose a bunch of games. They have, they have all these picks now from different teams so they can. And like you said, those, the, uh, those Phoenix picks, I mean, the, one of the first, two of the first round picks, one's in 2027, one's 2029 and then the pick swaps in 2028. And so, like you said, we all know what, will be happening and you know that's like five six years ahead and yeah. Kevin Durant at that point might be you know we don't know if he'll be on the same if he'll be on the team or if he'll still be in the one even be in the league uh, if he's retired by that point but um, yeah so a lot of a lot of good uh, um, stuff in the future ahead for the Nets uh, I but I like the trade for the Suns <laughs> as well um, it, it extends their championship window uh, and they don't have to like it, the, the biggest part is they don't have to put so much on CP3's plate like yeah. he, he was not he's not he's going to be a shell of himself in the playoffs they're going to be trying to the, the opponents are trying to get him on you know mismatches on defense and stuff so uh with having Devin Booker, Aiton and KD on the court that's it's going to be that's going to be a hard team to hard team to beat now for sure and TJ Warren I mean another 3 and D guy I mean they've they've got a lot of pieces uh moving ahead now um the next let's see next trade that was those are the the big ones uh i guess we can kind of go over let's go over the lakers one now uh, i think that was the next biggest one um lakers clown clown organization man uh the way they've uh, i i where well, i'm a you know i'm a russell westbrook fan so I'm, i have my uh, like just i just thought how they how they did all that was so garbage but um Lakers got D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt, and they gave up Russell Westbrook and their 2027 first-round pick and their 2024 uh, – or they'll have a pick swap with the Wolves for the 2024 second-round pick. So, essentially, they just gave up the first-round pick. They they want, they were wanting to get rid of Russ, and they did. Um, so, it wasn't – and then they got – they I think they got a great return. Uh, I felt like this was – a and on paper, this was a great trade for the Lakers, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't really know the like direction the Lakers want to go right now. Yeah. Uh, they, they, that team's roster, just from like a – like if you look at it visually, even not watching the players play, just looking at it is awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, all the years – like, All the years LeBron James has been the best player in the league and been what he – you know, been LeBron James. His rosters have had him, one other good player, and then a bunch of just knockdowns. And this yeah. roster has this roster has thirty eight year old him, 
um, can't move without getting injured, Anthony Davis. And then their best shooter is like Austin Reeves. And that's, that's just, I mean, it's weird because you think they could at least find, like, when they, I don't understand why they cut Matt Ryan. And I get that, you know, he can't stand out there and guard or anything in the NBA. But good Lord, yeah. like, no one on that team can shoot the ball. So <clears throat> Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and at that point they had Patrick Beverly. So it's like you almost, you know, have to put Matt Ryan or somebody of that caliber out there and just see if they can stretch the floor a little bit because you can play a two-three zone on this Lakers team and probably beat them by twenty. None of, like none of them can shoot the ball. Yeah. It's, it's abysmal. It, it's definitely going to be an issue in the playoffs. They're going to be able to teams are going to be able to shrink the floor, uh, crowd the paint because they still don't have any knockdown shooters. Um, I, I think D'Angelo Russell can be a really interesting piece for them uh, and, and Rui Hachimura, who they got from the Wizards a few weeks ago. I think he could be a solid piece. But I still don't see how this, like, this trade didn't move the needle for me for the Lakers. Like, I, help, I think this trade kind of solidifies, okay, they can win enough games to get into the play-in, get into the playoffs, but I don't think it's taking them anywhere. And uh, they still had to, they had to give up that 2027 first-round um, pick which they, you, you know, the front office that was wanting to avoid that at all yeah, costs. Because... They were so stingy on that for so long and all the options they could have traded Russell and that pick for. And then they I mean, they this... could have had Miles Turner and Buddy Hill. I mean, I feel like that would have made, like two... th- made this team like a top five seed. Move AD yeah. to the four, Miles Turner, who, can, who shoots like 38% from three and blocks two and a half shots a game at the five. LeBron at the three the person who's made the most threes in the NBA in the last three years at the two. And then, yeah. I mean, or you put LeBron at the one, Buddy healed there, and then whoever at your three. Like, it's that would have made this team so much better. It's insane. And then they hold on to it, and they get – what they get? Malik Beasley? Yeah, Malik Beasley, who's been – he's been a great three-point shooter this year. But uh, him and v- Vanderbilt, they don't have any playoff experience. So we'll see how they kind of – how they fare once they get into that point as well. And he's uh, Malik Beasley is so streaky. He's like a great value, Terrence Ross. Yeah, exactly. And he and he he's not really hasn't been a starter in this league for much. He's always been off the bench. So we'll see if he can take a little bigger role here in LA. Um, but yeah, that trade, I I like I get it. Like it makes sense for Lakers. It made them a little bit better. And I I don't think Russell Westbrook was you know he wasn't helping them by any means, but he wasn't. He wasn't the only problem in L.A. They still have tons of problems. And um, so whenever they're not in the playoffs or, you know, they're knocked out in the first round, I'm going to be enjoying that. I'm just, that, That's just how, how it's going to have to be. Yeah. So, um, I I just still can't get over, like, the, all the, you know, the the vampire in the locker room stuff that came out on ESPN right after that trade, calling Russ a vampire in the locker room and act like, you know, he's been a bad influence, which that's never – out of all – all the things on Russ, we know what he is on the court, but we always knew he was like a good locker room guy and, and wasn't like a yeah, cancer I, by any means. I could see, and I'm not like a Russell Westbrook guy like you are, but like, yeah, I, and it's the same thing when it comes to Baker Mayfield. I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan like you are, but both yeah. of those dudes, I just don't understand why they got treated the way they got treated towards the end of their tenure. Like, for instance, like Baker at the Browns, I don't know what, why the Browns treated him that way. He saved yeah. that franchise, turned it around, and then they just treat him like he's the worst thing ever. And then, I mean, Russell didn't have the same impact on the Lakers that Baker had on the Browns. Right. But, I mean, I can see where maybe Russell would be, be annoying in the locker room, cause he's, but that's, that's because he's so positive. 
Like he's like, right. come on, you know, he's like that type of dude, which I it would annoy me, but that's not yeah. being a vampire. I don't like I never got that. Yeah. I don't get people like that who I mean and Russ even bought into being the sixth man there for a while, as much as he didn't want yeah. to do that, he did it. And so I I think you know, Anthony Davis, I feel like, is probably more of a locker room cancer than Russell Westbrook is. Because Anthony Davis is a bum who's always hurt. I don't, I don't know. I hate when people – I think they just needed something to help ship Russ out, and that was what they chose yeah. to do. They they needed something. Like, they're just looking for any type of lever to press or push to, to kind of shift the blame and try to, you know – make it you know spin spin the story as much as they can especially lebron you know he has his clan he has you know that stuff comes out from his his people as well um which i know he was like he wanted russ there in the beginning that's the other thing with lakers i'm like we knew what you were everyone knew what you were getting with russ when you traded for everyone knew that was a terrible move for them he would he is not because he was a shell of himself in washington and houston of what he was in oklahoma city his shooting had only gotten worse turnover turnover rate had gotten worse like he just was hasn't been good in this latter half of his career just because you know the athleticism is dwindling but uh so i for them to like you know then just trash him and act like he was the you know blame him for everything it's just crazy because you they they knew what type of player he was going to be even uh, even like prime russell westbrook and lebron james would be terrible on the same team yeah i like, know yeah it, that's it never would have worked like, like i never understood um, why you would put that type of skill set? It's literally LeBron James light. Like it's like the same yeah. exact skill set, except Russell's a little bit more selfish than LeBron yeah. ever was. And so yeah. I don't understand why even prime Westbrook next to LeBron James would work. I don't understand that. But yeah. So we'll see. Um, I, I, I the Lakers are still outside the playoff picture uh, heading into the second half of the season. So we'll see how much it actually helps them. Um, in that trade, I, I also forgot to mention um, the Jazz got Russell, who they've already bought out, and you know he's going to be. Where do you think he's going to end up? By the way, where do you think? I've, I've seen a lot of the Clippers. That's right. I've seen a lot yeah. of. Which again, with, like, him, with them, I'm like, it's literally you're getting slightly better John Wall. And so, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like the John, like they, they should look at that John Wall experiment and be like, no, we're not. Why, why do this? For the second time, why do this again? I mean, if you get if you get Russell on like a four year or a four million dollar contract, it can't hurt. Like, even if you don't start, yeah. it's gonna be a good guy to come off the bench for that much money. That's why the Lakers one it really didn't make sense is he's getting paid forty six million dollars to play twenty minutes a night. Yeah, like, like I'm not paying Russ at this point. Russ is vet minimum for me. Like that's all uh, I'm getting, that, and that's coming from like a diehard Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Uh, uh, I, I think Russell team, can help. Help teams win, but he's not helping you win playoff games. You're not not. He can help teams. certain teams win too. Is the thing like? Yeah, it's got to be on a certain type of roster. Like the Warriors, you'd kill on the Warriors. Yeah, like exactly. teams where there's just a bunch of shooters. Yeah, but when he has to be the dude, like no, he he's not gonna. Any team that has less than two shooters is not gonna do well with Russell Westbrook right now. No. And so like. The, everybody that wants to put him on their team is like one of the worst fits I've ever seen for him. Like the Lakers were a terrible fit for him, and the Clippers are not a good fit for him. I don't understand why they want yeah. him. But well, the Bulls, but the Bulls were rumored too. Um, yeah, because they're about he, to shut down Lonzo. They're about to what? Shut down Lonzo Ball for the yeah, season. That's that that the, the the Bulls are. It might be time for them to blow it up too. You know, like <laughs> they just His, keep. It's terrible there right now. 
Alonzo's career may be in jeopardy because they can't. It came out that doctors don't know why his knee's hurting the way it is. They can't figure yeah. it out. Yeah, because at the beginning of the season, they're like, "Oh, it'll he'll he'll be ready to go," you know, within a month or two. And then each time he's, it's time for him to get back on the court. Like there's a new uh, media saw, release from the team. I saw something yeah. like two months ago that said he was still like partial weight bearing. Yeah, he's not even on the. He's not even practicing full. On like yeah, and so I don't, I don't know what's going on with that, but I feel like it's like a Markel Fold situation. Yeah, it, it's bad. Uh, and then there's a lot of you know Zach Levine, Billy Donovan. There's a lot of rumors they're not getting along very well in the locker yeah. room, um, which I don't. That's not really shocking. Levine's more he's he's a tad bit selfish, and Billy Donovan is more of a team you know oriented type of offense type of mm-hmm. coach. So. Um, but yeah, then uh, in this trade, uh, the three-team trade with Russell Westbrook, Timberwolves received. Timberwolves, I liked what they did. They got uh, a couple second-round picks um, and also got Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Yeah. I think I think Mike Conley is a huge – it's not like a great – you know, it's not like a big ad on the court-wise, but I think he'll be a huge locker room help uh, that has – that deals with locker room with Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert. Uh, yeah. He can kind of mellow out some that, you know – He's be a bet in the locker room type of guy for them. The Timberwolves, I really think they should have made a move with Carl Anthony Towns, and they didn't. But I think this summer, Carl Anthony Towns is gone. If that, yeah. if that team wants, if that team wants any chance to win anything, like any type of playoff series going forward, they can't have Anthony Edwards, Cat, and Rudy Gobert. And as much as yeah. I think Rudy Gobert is a worse player than Cat. It's much easier to move Cat than it is Rudy right now, and so you're going to have to get rid of him. Yeah, and they hedged their—I mean, they hedged their whole franchise on that Rudy Gobert trade. So it's not, you can't just give up on Rudy Gobert. <laughs> um, Why did you trade five? Or they traded like six, didn't they? Six yeah. for a man yeah. who unguarded cannot make six out of ten. <laughs> oh, did you see the pass so he had? Did you see the pass he had like three weeks ago? He got a rebound, and they were going in transition. And Anthony Edwards yes. was standing directly beside him, and he just threw it straight between his legs out of bounds. Yeah. It was like two feet away. Nutmegged his own teammate. I was like, yo, they spent six first-round picks on this guy, and he physically <laughs> cannot pass a basketball. That's insane. Uh, uh, and they think the Wolves, I think the only silver lining they can take out of it is they've played a lot better with Cat out of the lineup with injury. Yeah. And so there's some, like, uh, there's some hope there, like, okay, we can build around these two uh, – even though yeah, we probably made a mistake trading for Gobert, we can still build around. around it's an issue when you're playing better with Cat on the bench and Kyle Anderson starting than <laughs> my man Kyle Anderson. He's he's a dog. He he finds a way to stick around and produce wherever he's at. I love I love watching him play because he plays at negative miles per hour. He does, and it's insane that it, it works in the league that is so as, as athletic and fast as it is. Um. So those are those two trades. Those were the two biggest trades outside of the Kyrie trade uh, in the trade deadline. Um, oh, no, I think you're missing a pretty big one. <laughs> am I Am I missing the uh, Josh Hart trade? Is that yeah. what you're referring to? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me get up to it. Uh, where is that? Oh, here it is. Yes, this this trade made no sense for me for the Charlotte Hornets. What are the, the Charlotte Hornets are, are just awful at everything mm-hmm. they do. Um, this is a 14 transaction with the 76ers Hornets. Blazers and Knicks. So the Knicks uh, got Josh Hart, uh, like we were inferring. Only gave up a they they give up a first round pick uh, in this upcoming draft, 
and that's that went to the Blazers, and the Blazers got Cam Reddish, Matisse Thybulle, and a first-round pick from the Knicks, and Ryan Arciadano. Arciadano. I know I know who he is. I can picture him in my head, but I just, I can never get his name right. He kicked North Carolina's ass for four straight years. <laughs> I'm glad and then the Hornets, the Hornets got Steve Mikhailuk, uh, a second-round pick. How can you say Mikhailuk and not Steve Archie? Mikhailuk. <laughs> What's Steve's first uh, name? Mikhailuk played a little bit for the Thunder, so I have that's that What's also helped me out a little bit. Steve? Sviatoslav. That's his whole name? Yeah. His whole first name? Golly, man. That's insane. And then the – the, and then the 76ers got Jalen McDaniels and, t- and two second-round picks as well. But the Hornets, why are you giving up Jalen McDaniels and second-round picks just to get back Steve McKaylee? What are we doing? Uh, the, the Hornets, I don't even know why the Hornets were involved in this trade. I think they were just like, why are you, at this point, why are you doing anybody favors? Because no one's done you favors in the past, yeah. so why are you helping And Jalen McDaniels, I mean, he's he's young. He's still got Jaylen quite. Jalen McDaniels is going to be good, just like his yeah. brother. He's going to be good for the, and for the Sixers especially. If you, because think about it, P.J. Tucker, was P.J. Tucker still on the Sixers? Yep, yeah, he's still there. I can't remember. That dude's been on every team in the last five years. Yeah. But. When he's done, I mean, Jalen McDaniels is a heck of a defender, and you put him out there, put him next to Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid, and he can pick up the perimeter defense that Tobias Harris no longer has. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like that for the Sixers. I think that's a good trade. Really. Too. I don't know why the Hornets were like, yep, give us Steve Mikhailuk. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. And, and the fact that they also threw a second-round pick in for that. Yeah. Like, that not only did you go up Jalen McDaniels, you also gave up a pick. Yeah, why would you ever – you would never even trade a second-round pick for Steve McKaylee straight up. So why, no. why, would you, why would you trade also a young player with potential? But anyway. Ridiculous. The big part of that that I want to talk about is the Knicks and the Blazers part of it. Yeah. It's, I tweeted, and I don't know if you saw it, but I tweeted, and I was like, you know, I don't have an issue with this tweet or with this trade. I just mm-hmm. – I think it's incredibly redundant because mm-hmm. before, I think Josh Hart is what Quentin Grimes' ceiling is. I really do. I don't. People think Quinn Grimes is going to be like an all star and all this, and I'm like, no, he's not. Watch him play basketball. He's going to be a good player, but he's going to be Josh Hart potentially at his ceiling. Maybe slightly better, but like 14 points a game, maybe. Yeah. Josh, Josh Hart, and um, that's why I just didn't understand. You know, I'm I'm happy for Cam Reddish. I wish the Knicks would have played him. If you remember, I went on a giant spiel at the beginning of the year where he needed to be our sixth or seventh man, and I firmly still believe that. I don't understand. Why he now, fell out? Now starting in Portland, yeah, and playing well. Um, <laughs> yeah, when he started for us, he played really well. I think he would have been a really good like because he can play the three and the four. That's the perfect guy to play RJ's minutes off the court and Julius's minutes off the court. But yeah. Tibbs took something personal and kept Cam Reddish on the bench for like twenty five straight games. So I'm happy Cam Reddish got out of the situation. Um, yeah, I just I think it was kind of a redundant trade because. My biggest fear now is that Emmanuel quickly loses minutes mm-hmm. because you got Josh Hart again, who's going to play probably over him because he's a veteran, and we have Tom Thibodeau as a head coach. But yeah, I, I just hope that the development of Emmanuel quickly doesn't stall because in two years, or I think after this season, we only have him for one more year on his rookie contract. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to want to come back to an organization that made him 
play off the bench all four of his years when all 29 teams in the NBA or however, is it 32 teams? I mean, 30, 30 teams, 30 teams, 32 is NFL. Yeah. So all 29 other teams <laughs> in the NBA can sit there and look at him and be like, well, that dude's a starter. And then Tom Thibodeau was like, no, 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 no. So, he's a bench scorer. He's a bench yeah. scorer. We'll, we'll see. I, I don't have an issue with it. I think both teams stayed about. I think Portland probably got a little bit better. I, I really like Cam Reddish. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, putting a 6-8 shooter out there next to Jeremy Grant and Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons helps them tremendously. So, I like that. I just I, – I fear for Emmanuel Quigley's development. Yeah. Um, the Trailblazers also got Matisse Thibel from the 76ers in this trade. Um uh, which Stiebel's been, I mean, he's been unplayable for the Sixers just because that roster doesn't have enough shooters for him to be on the court. He, he, he Yeah, can't shoot. Nobody go, he, he gets on to Robertson treatment. Just, mm-hmm. They just leave him in the corner and nobody even pays attention to him. But in, 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 in Portland, on Portland's roster, he can maybe have a little, uh, you know, fresh start here in Portland. They have enough shooters where he, he could be a little, like, guy they could bring off the, as a slasher yeah, play some really hard nosed defense for them I on the other it. end. I love Matisse Thibault. I, I, yeah, I, I think he. I don't. Want, I, I haven't given up on him yet. I think he can figure yeah. it out still. He's uh, an absolute shot. Just got to get better. Defense. Yeah, he's insane. Um, for the Knicks, for me, I like the trade. Um, I, I do get the the quickly part, but when I, I just feel like the Knicks are doing a good job of just of buying into that hard nosed grit and grind type of uh, team. Because now you got, I mean, you have you have Brunson, R.J. Barrett, Randall, Josh Hart, and Quentin Grimes. And I mean, if you, if you finish those five on the court in a playoff game, like that team's getting after it on defense and and also hitting shots on the other end. Don't forget Isaiah Hartenstein. Oh yeah, I can't forget the 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 the, the big man. I agree. I agree with where you're coming from on that aspect. And I mean, I think the first game Josh Hart played with the Knicks, he had like 28 points. I looked he looked, at the box. He looked, he looked better in New York than he ever did in Portland. Too. I looked at the and box score and I was like, okay. Yeah. He was yeah. crazy. And I think when, yeah. when Mitchell Robinson comes back, it'll take our team even to another level. Because jokingly, like I said, we have to play Isaiah Hartenstein and Jericho Sims all 48 minutes at the five. But yeah. I. I'm getting more excited about the Knicks in the playoffs because the game slows down so much, and it's gonna become it's gonna become a P and R bat pick and roll battle on both teams. And Brunson yeah. is just gonna. I mean, if Brunson's hitting shots, mid range three pointers, like they're gonna be hard to beat. Especially yeah. with Randall, you know, being able to to take over in certain think, parts of the game. I think whoever we draw in the playoffs, we're taken to seven. Like regardless, oh, I, think yeah. we, I think it's gonna be a, a seven game series, and the team we're playing is gonna hate their lives the whole time because they're just yeah. It's, yeah, everything that like, New York does is so ugly. Like nothing we do looks good. It just works, so it's just frustrating. Yeah. But I, I like their I like their chances to push a seven game series in the first round and potentially make it out of the first round, depending on who our matchup is. For sure. Um, so yeah, that's that trade. Uh, Blazers they're just looking for some answers. They've kind of been they've been dropping in the standings quite a bit. Uh, you know, I mean they've they've been dealing with some injuries as well, but. They have to start getting some wins. I think right now they're like in 11th or 12th, behind, even behind the Thunder uh, in the playoffs standing. So they've, they've got some work to do going into the second half of the season. Um, let's see. What else? Is there any other trades on top of your head you want to you wanna, uh, hit on? Um, I, I have two more we can – I see. The Noah Vonley trade that you brought up is pretty <laughs> – Yeah. Uh, Noah Vonley to the Spurs. Uh, it, 
for a conditional second round pick in cash. They had don't to pay know. cash to get into the Spurs. Don't sleep on my man Noah Vonley. All right, he, played, <laughs> he, he was good he, for the next for like a year and a half. He played pretty solid. Yeah, he's look, just looking for some footing. Looking for some footing in the league. Um, this Clippers this Clippers trade was intriguing. Um, I thought it was funny how the Clippers – so it was a three-team trade. Oh, yeah, Clippers, Bones Island. Yeah, the Bones Island. Or, or, no, this one This one is not – this was that – I know that that's another one they, they were involved in. This one is the Eric Gordon. Uh, Clippers got Eric Gordon and three future second-round picks as they gave up John Wall um, and, and Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard went to the Grizzlies. And the Rockets got John Wall back and yeah, Danny poor Green. Wall, man. Poor John I know. Wall. Just uh, a couple weeks ago, his podcast came out where he's just absolutely just just pooping on the uh, the Houston Rockets uh, organization, and now he's back there. So that was probably a little awkward for him. Uh, he's obviously going to get bought out. I I think I think I think John Wall's career is over. I think it's, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a career over. That's that's a really sad career because it's like you know. He was so fun to watch. Those those Wizards teams. So many were, all-star years, you know, like just dominating. They were so fun Those to watch. They had some of the most uh, unfortunate injuries you could ever think of. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I agree with you. Unless somebody, you know, unless there's somebody out there that has, like, a young point guard that wants some tutelage. Like, yeah, I don't know, like going into Indiana and making him a backup to Tyrese or – um. I'm trying to think, just think of young point guards that need some like because John Wall, he's never, no one's ever said he was a bad teammate either. I mean, there was that tweet that came out a while where they said John Wall was a bad teammate. Marcin Gortat was like, "You're an idiot." He's the only reason I had an NBA career. Yeah, and yeah. So I don't think John Wall's a bad teammate. I think at this point he understands his limitations. Um, yeah. Like somewhere where there's a young point guard that needs some tutelage, I think would be he can. I mean, go to. What if the Pacers yeah. signed him on a vet minimum? After he's bought, yeah, that, that, I mean, he might not even play because TJ McConnell's a really good backup, right? But he could just be a, a good. It's yeah. a good, you know. Tyrese is kind of a laid back type of dude, and John Wall's an in your face type of guy, so it might be good to change up Tyrese's mentality and stuff like that. I, I think he still serves a purpose more than uh, some of these other guards you could sign. So I can see him getting on a roster, but as far as playing and contributing, yeah, I think he's done. Yeah. Um, so that was that trade. Eric Gordon to the to the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers were kind of weird uh, this trade deadline. I don't think they made any moves that made them, you know, any uh, you know tons better. But I think they made some moves that helped them for sure. Uh, Luke Kennard yeah, hasn't been playing well, so they finally moved on from him. I think the uh, Bones Highland trade. I don't know who was involved in that. I just yeah, remember- I have that one right here. Bones um, Highland. What is it? Uh, so Nuggets got Thomas. It was a 14 trade. Uh, Nuggets got Thomas Bryant from the Lakers. Lakers got Mo Bamba, Devon Reed, and a second round pick. Magic got Patrick Beverly and a couple second round picks. And then Clippers got Bones Highland. So, so I, I I really really like Bones Highland there because they have yeah. no shooting and they have no point guard. And I think Bones Highland is so slept on as a basketball player. And he just you know he was behind Jamal Murray and he's small, so you can't play them at the same time. But if, like, PG is playing your two and Kawhi is playing your three, you can have Bones Highland out there for 48 minutes. Absolutely. He's an absolute bucket getter. So I, I really like – when that trade happened, <laughs> I was actually, like, really excited about that because I want to see Bones Highland get a chance. And yeah, I do too. I think, you know, being the third, fourth option in that starting lineup for the Clippers, I think he could really do some damage. 
So that, that's something to watch out for. And then now you have Eric Gordon also on that team. So you could run a yeah. lineup with Bones Highland, Eric Gordon, Paul Pierce, Kawhi, and Ivica Zubac. And Wait, Paul Pierce? Paul Pierce? Paul, Paul George, my bad. <laughs> Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Ivica Zubac. And uh, I like that thing. Eric Gordon can still defend really well. And I, I, yeah. I really like Bones Highland, and I, I hope he starts getting a chance to be a starter, at least play some big minutes. Um, did you see the tweet he had that kind of threw shade at Jamal Murray? Yes. I, and I, I was going to add to that. I think Bones Highlands, he's been stuck on the bench in Denver because he, 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 he's button heads with Mike Malone and mm -hmm. uh, Jamal Murray. So he's not well-liked in Denver, I don't think. Well, I think. What was so, that tweet? It was something like, uh, you know, there's one really good basketball player in Denver. It was just something yes. where it was just alluding to the fact that Nikola Jokic is the one guy. And yeah, everybody else on there wasn't good. So, and I mean, yeah, he, Jamal Murray, he, I mean, Jamal Murray, I think is overhyped really badly. I understand he came off that injury, but he's averaging like 17 and six and people still think he's like bubble Jamal Murray. And so, I, I mean, I kind yeah. of agree with Bones Highland and I like, I like the little feistiness coming out of it. I do too. I do too. I, I want to see what Bones Highland can do. I know a lot of people thought have, are starting to think like, Oh, he didn't get it. He wasn't going to Denver. How is he going to, uh, be good anywhere else, but I, I think him getting a little shot in, in LA would be pretty, gonna be pretty I, cool. I think that's a lot of casuals that say stuff like that because anytime he played in Denver, he played really well. When yeah. he got, yeah. when he got extended minutes, he was really good. And I, I don't know, it's probably just because they look almost identical, but I, he's just like Emmanuel quickly. Yeah, he and he can heat up real quick where he you can he can change a game basically. Yeah. You know, if he's hitting like three, he's just like you, he's a year younger. And, when IQ was in his second and third year, he would come off the bench and get like 27 points. And I, I think Bones Highland has a lot of potential to be somebody good in the NBA. I agree. Um, so we'll see how that works out for the Clippers. Uh, they no longer have Reggie Jackson either. Um, they sent him off. <laughs> uh, that's been a long time. time. Where did Reggie Jackson go to college? Boston College. There you go. Oh, boy. Knew that one. Um, so that that is pretty much all the big trades that happened on trade deadline. There's one more we'll hit on before we get out of here, and that is the uh, Pistons land James Wiseman. Uh, not sure what the Pistons are doing as they gave up Sadiq Bay, and uh, Trailblazers got Kevin Knox out of that trade. Um, Hawks Hawks got Sadiq Bay, and then uh, Warriors got Gary Payton. Uh, and they also they had to give up five for second round picks for Gary Payton. Yeah, that happened like eight times. There'd be like a like the Jay Crowder, whoever Jay Crowder got traded to, yeah. they gave up five second round picks. And I'm like, yeah. that happened like three or four times. And I was just like, why is that the normal price teams, for these rounds? I think teams are just now realizing how. I mean, th th everyone knows first round picks are valuable, but you just see GMs are deathly scared to give up first round picks. So instead, yeah. they're just bundling all their second rounders. To get to move the needle. Um, when I saw Jay Crowder went for five second round picks, I was like, "What <laughs> in the world?" I <laughs> um, and there was there was a little drama with this one. Uh, Gary Payton failed his physical with the Warriors, and there was some background injury information that the, supposedly the Blazers didn't didn't let let know public to the Warriors during these trade. Um, but the Warriors were just like, "No, we have to get rid of James Wiseman because we're not paying 130 million." in tax, uh, in luxury tax to keep them on our list. So 
at first when the straight went through, I was like, really? Like, really? One one for the Pistons, I don't like it because you just drafted Jalen Duran. Yeah. And so why would you bring James Wiseman on and get rid of Sadiq Bay? even though, you know, I know Sadiq Bay's contract's going to run up after this year. But, I mean, I guess – But he's played – Sadiq Bay's played well when Cade Cunningham's on the court, too. That's the yeah. thing. Like, I feel like they could have been a really good role player alongside Cade. And maybe they're just really trying to uh, stir up the fact that they're going to get Wimanyama. But yeah. I don't know. And then I think it's funny. I saw a tweet the other day, and I was like, wow, can you just think about that the Warriors could have had LaMelo Ball, but instead they chose James Wiseman. I know. Yeah, that's at first, I was like, that's pretty crazy. But then I was like thinking, I was like, does this guy really making fun of how the Warriors draft? Because their entire team is built through the draft. He it drafted Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, three prospects that were not highly touted in the draft process, and turned them into the best dynasty of all time. And so I'm like, oh, did he miss on one guy? Okay. I think he's all, yeah. I, think, I think they're all right over there in Golden State. Um, you know, it just, that, it, it's, a, it's unfortunate because they just whiffed so bad on that pick, you know? Like, and, and, when that James Wiseman draft happened, I think James, I thought James Wiseman was the perfect fit for Golden State. Yeah, because it made sense. That's when they had lost, um, who was their center at that time? They had just lost. Was that Andrew Bogut? Was that his last year? Uh, no, that would have been earlier. Uh, it probably. I think it was. They were still. It was Looney still was their starter. I think that's. I think they were just weak there, and so yeah, I was like, yeah. I was like, that's a good. You know, you're not asking James Wiseman to do anything but block shots to protect the rim. I, I like him there. I had him. I would have rather him gone there. I would, And I think I drafted it. Like, I mock drafted it. LaMelo also going third. I, like, I liked the fit, and it just didn't pan out. Right. So, I don't necessarily think it was a whiff. Like, people are always like, you know, like the Kwame Brown, that was a bust. Anthony Bennett was a bust because they shouldn't have gone in those positions. But there wasn't yeah. more than, like, probably 90% of the mock drafts out there had Wiseman in the top three. He just – his potential is seven foot and moves the way he does. And I, I mean, he's still like 21 years old or 20 years old. So yeah, um, he still has time to figure it out. I, I mean, he was like 17 when he got drafted, he was still a kid. And yeah. so I think, I think he's got potential, like time to figure it out. I don't know if Detroit's the best place for him to figure it out, but I don't know. I think it's, I think it's better. I think it's better for him to figure it out in Detroit than it is Golden State, just because yeah. Golden State, the sense of urgency, it was probably a lot of pressure on him to, figure things out now he can kind of take a breath and there's no yeah. winning no one's pressure to win here so he can you know just start from scratch and try to figure it out um it's also but yeah, it's, also, so the, uh, it's also just weird to me that the warriors let gary payton walk this summer and then they turn around and trade for and him. they want him back yeah that happened a lot uh in this trade deadline. there was a lot of teams going getting back guys they just got rid of a couple yeah. of off seasons ago it was kind of weird um like yeah, that was one. I'm trying to think. There was, there was multiple. Yeah, John Wall. There was multiple. Um, but the Pistons are basically just being the contrarians of the league, getting all these yeah. traditional big men when when the league is getting away from tra- traditional big men. Because now they have they have Isaiah Stewart, James Wiseman, Marvin Bagley, and Jalen Duran. So I mean, yeah. we'll see what happens. But uh, hopefully, hopefully James Wiseman figures it out. I'm surprised they didn't make a move to get rid of Bonjanovich because he yeah. doesn't fit that team at all. And the only thing no. he does right now is make them better, which they don't want. No. They, and I mean, they made that move. They went and got him thinking, oh, we're going to build around Cade. Yeah. Oh, I like too early. Too early. Yeah. And 
Yeah, he's like, I mean, he's like 31. So he's, you know, he's running out of time and he averages 20 points a game right now. Like, you could have got something from the Lakers for him or. Oh, yeah. Any of those I, teams. I mean, he's, he's a really good, for a contender, he's a really good player to have because he can get out there and get you 18 and he plays defense really well. But I, I don't know why they kept him because he's just going to get older and lose his value. Right. And if I was Lakers, I would have given up another first round pick for him for sure. I mean, yeah. I, I, it'd been worth, well worth it in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that's the trade deadline. Uh, I'm, I'm still just interested and most interested to watch, uh, Kyrie and Luca, see how that kind of pans out. Um, obviously they're, they're, it's going to, they're going to go through that little phase of like, they, it kind of happened the last, I think it was like the last game before all-star break for them. They, they came back from 20 something down in the fourth quarter and they mm-hmm. needed one shot to, to tie or win the game. And him and Luca were just Kyrie and Luca were just throwing it back and forth to each other. They're both of them were trying to be, up. yeah, they were, they were, but you could tell both of them were trying to be unselfish at the same time, like so that they, you know, they're going to work through their kinks. So we'll see how that yeah. pans out. But uh, any any other last thoughts on the trade deadline? Uh, I don't have anything else. Team? I don't have anything else. So I think that kind of wraps this episode up. Um, yeah, we're, we're probably midway through this week. I'm going to hit the a redo on that tankathon that we sent out because that was like two yeah. weeks ago. So yeah, we probably have one. more. We'll probably have a more uh, updated tankathon order to go off of. So again, next episode for sure, we'll be going through the first round, all thirty picks of a mock draft, and Marshall will have pick number one. I'll have pick number two, and then we'll just go back and forth from Alternate. there. And, uh, kind of giving you who one who we would take, why we're taking them, and what we think of the said player. Um, yeah. But other than that, appreciate all you guys listening, like you are. Uh, keep doing it. Keep sharing it if you are. Uh, If you get bored, give us a rating and give us a review. And, again, thank you for listening. All right. right. See you, man. See you, man. (laughs) All right. For all those people that are still listening, that is my attempt to play our outro music, which we have had an incredible issue with as of late. It didn't start at the beginning of this episode, so we had to start over. And for some reason, it's hit or miss every single week. It won't play. So let's see if it plays right here. Ready? All right. Let's see. There we go.